Hello, this is Hanako Gallagher and Jamie Livingston, and we are Undecided, Undecided California. Hi, Hanako. Hey, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm good. We're in a new recording spot today. Yes, we are in my family room. Yeah. Lovely. Magical. It's dark in here, and there's plants all over the walls. Are those real plants? Those are real plants. Damn. My mom's got a green thumb. Well, she also just planted them, so let's see if they survive. I don't know if they're going to survive in here because it doesn't get a lot of light. I know. So I'm a little worried, and like, succulents need a lot of light. She, like, gave me more plants from my garden. She's mm-hmm. like, I gave you more plants. More plants are growing. And I was like, but that's not the one I want. I want Hamat. Who's Hamat? I'll show you Hamat. Hold on. <laughs> For all you listeners out there, we will post a picture of this. <laughs> this is Hamat. Oh my god, it's so cute. Isn't he cute? He has a little sprout. He's got a little sprout. Doesn't he look like a Hamat? I get that. You get it? I saw it. And I was like, this is Hamat. Is he fuzzy? No, he just kind of feels cool. Hamat, you're gonna be our plant for tonight. You're our little <laughs> plant. So what are we talking about today? We are covering some state assembly races. Woo! I... Do you remember what numbers? The 26 and 74. Could be. <laughs> 26 and 74! Ooh. And Good I didn't job. even cover these ones. <laughs> yep. Well, you're kind of covering half. I Yeah. In terms... I feel like you, t- you took, like... You know, 70, 65% of the role. I did the other... Because I did half of the candidates, but I didn't interview them yeah. or reach out to them or look into these races to make sure they were viable races, which is a lot yeah. of work. That's, like, half the work already. So probably I did, like, 25% of the work. I mean, I literally figured this out in, like, 20 <laughs> minutes. So I was like, let's find out information about the candidates. Oh, there is none? Okay. That's the fun with local races. You never know if you're going to find nothing or a bunch of weird stuff. Yes. So... Yeah, exactly. Or it's just gonna be a lot of drama or something weird. Yeah. Um, There's some drama this week. Ooh. With your races? Yeah. Oh my god, I want to hear about it. But first, let's tell them who is running in each race. So, in the 26th district, there is Devin Mathis. Uh-huh. And that is the one you're covering, Hanako. Mm-hmm. He's the Republican candidate. Is he the incumbent? Yes. He's the incumbent, and running against him as the Democrat is Jose Segala. Please tell mm-hmm. me I said that right. Segala? Segala. I think so. I think it's Segala, yeah. Okay. Also, we should make it clear that it's not always going to be a Republican against a Democrat. Because of what system, Hanako? The top two primary system! Top two primaries! Woo! It's like the only <laughs> California does, and like, I think two other states. But yeah. But in these two races, it happens to be red against blue. Yes, because not really interesting to cover red against red or blue against blue. No. That's boring. Gotta spice it up for you guys. Yeah. Like tamales. We keep it spicy. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, and the other race in State Assembly District 74 is Matthew Harper, who is the Republican incumbent, Mm -hmm. who also really likes wearing hats. I'll show you a picture. Oh, wow. I haven't seen him yet. He uh, likes wearing hats with suits. It's a very, like, wannabe 1920s gangster, almost. The hat. Interesting. And it doesn't go with the suit always. It's a it's a thing. Wow, I'm really trying to picture this now. I will show you in a minute. Um, and a, running against him is... Drumroll. <laughs> Cotty Petrie-Norris. He's running as the Democrat. Yeah. All right. So, which one should we do first? We should definitely do 26 first. We should actually do the non-interview first. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to do Jose Segala. 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 Okay, guys. I'm a genius, as you can obviously tell. So just a little background. He is a child of immigrants from Mexico. His father worked as a dishwasher, laborer, and farm worker, and he graduated from the University of California at Berkeley. So he's a Cal student cal graduate i was gonna say student but that's not true because he doesn't he was once a cal student yes he's not there no longer he recently got into the political game in terms of being elected 
2016, he was elected to District 1 um, of Tular City Council. Mm. Before that, he has 20 years of legislative and public policy experience working at the California State Legislature and local government where he worked to improve quality of life in communities across California. I don't know what that statement means, and I couldn't find anything to elaborate on that. <laughs> I don't know if he was an aide. I don't... Like, there's just no information out there. Okay. Like, I, I tried to figure out what he did in the state capitol, but I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. Hmm. It's very vague, which is a little weird to me. Like, was he a special interest lobbyist? Was he this? Was he that? There's, like, so many different things. You can't just be like, I worked on this. Yeah. There's a lot weird. of jobs in politics. Okay? Yeah. It was a little weird. He also claims to be an advocate for safer neighborhoods, open parks and spaces, after-school programs, small businesses, responsible development, environment, education, and neighborhood empowerment in Sacramento. Oh, he was an advocate for those things when he was in Sacramento. But, like, what does responsible development mean? I don't know. Those are just words. It's just kind of, like, I couldn't really find a lot of information on him like i try to get build up like a platform like in understanding like what he stands for what he's running on and i looked at videos i looked at his website his website his platform page is blank Mm -hmm. just straight up no information on it like i thought i did it wrong i thought like there was like an error in the thing i didn't know why it just didn't have any information on it yeah (laughs) and we reached out for him for an interview right Mm -hmm. he didn't respond no. But he's definitely campaigning. When you look at, like, things that you can do to help volunteer, there's, like, different stuff. There's, like, phone banks every day and all that stuff. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he'll listen to this and reach out to us, but... Tell us what he... What he meant by all of these keywords. All these great keywords. Yeah, so there's just not a lot of information about him. Like, literally, one of the things he cites is, like he did during his time on the city council is make an impact in the county as a regional leader. That's... What does that mean? I think a lot of candidates are guilty of using this kind of buzzwords that don't really mean anything, like on their website and stuff like that. Yeah. But usually they have something that you can point to that's like, this is something I accomplished. Yeah, like, all the things that he cites are like, he doesn't cite any legislation that he passed or any program that he did to, like, improve these things. He just says that he did them. Yeah. So, which makes me think that maybe the board did them and someone else, like, proposed that legislation mm-hmm. and he just was, like, signed off on it. He's like, so I was the leader! And you're just like, what What does that mean? Hamat, what do you think? He looks skeptical. He looks very skeptical. And I don't think he's buying this. He ain't buying this. No. Matt, you're always right. So yeah, that is Jose. So tell me about his opponent. Yes, Devin Mathis. So he is the incumbent in the district. He's pretty young. He's 35 years old. Um, He was born and raised in the Central Valley, which is where his district is. And his kind of big point about himself or what makes him stand out is that he served in the Army National Guard for 10 years um, before entering politics. And he's been the state assembly member since 2014 in the district. In terms of platform, what I found on his website was that he talked about water, (laughs) um, jobs, so reducing regulations and taxes on businesses. What do you talk about water? Like conservation of water, getting more water funneled to agriculture? I think finding new clean sources of water, especially in the valley where... There's not so much priority on yeah. making sure the water's clean, mm, yeah. which I can get on board with. He also talked about education, especially for special needs students. Um, he's against high-speed rail and pro-Second Amendment. Sounds about right for Central California. Mm-hmm. The big thing that... One of the reasons why I chose this race was that he had a controversy, which was sexual assault allegations against him. Oh, she is. Yeah. So, in... There were a couple... So, in October of last year, he was investigated for an alleged assault against a female staff member. He also has been accused of child abuse and neglect by his ex-wife. <laughs> and his some of his colleagues have claimed that he's been drunk on the job, in the office. Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> All good things. 
Um, so because of that, in November of last year, he was called to resign by the Tulare County Republican Central Committee. Oh, his own party. Yeah. He didn't. Um, I... Obviously, he did not resign. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing he didn't. And what else? Yeah, it's just sort of ongoing investigation of his alleged sexual assault of members of his staff. You said there was, like, some more drama going on. Oh, that's just what I meant by the drama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, Probably but... should have looked for an update, but I, as far as I know, he hasn't pulled out of the race. Cool. That's pretty much it. Just some, some questionable points that I wanted to ask him about in the interview. You're a little timid of him. It's scary to ask someone why you've been assaulting people or yeah. people are accusing you of being assaulting them. Scary. Especially as a younger woman talking to an older man. Well, good thing it was over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and as you'll hear, the interview was very short. Like, he didn't talk for very long. Nope. He was eating lunch. He, he called us, like, 15 minutes late, didn't he? He was late, and then he was, like, in a car when he was talking to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's the interview. <laughs> Call is now being recorded. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask is just if you could talk a little bit about your background, political and otherwise, and in particular, um, what experiences do you think have uniquely prepared you for First State Assembly? Say again? Um, I I'm, I'm, to hear a I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a car with a bad connection, so. Oh, no worries. Um, so just could you my talk background? about your, your, yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, I was military out of high school, uh, two combat deployments, was a sergeant for 10 years and, you know, did that and then got home from the war because I got injured, went to the VA, uh, got into college and got heavily involved with veterans advocacy in college and that kind of led to, uh, Politics. Mm -hmm. um, and how does your experience in the military influence your approach to, to government and politics, do you think? It's, uh, well, you know, military approach is kind of everybody get around the table, see what all everybody, you know, can bring, what perspectives everybody has, and you do what we call mission planning, and, you know, you figure out the best route, the best solution, the, you know, the best thing to do, and you go and you get it done. Um, unfortunately, in politics, that's not quite how it's done, and it seems that, you know, with all the partisanship, there's always got to be winners and losers versus everybody, you know, getting around and having to be about the people. It tends to be more about which party's going to win. Right. Um... Could you talk a little bit about the most glaring issues that are facing your district in particular? Uh, most growing issues in my district? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, we, we have one of the poorest areas in the entire state. So when, you know, the state of California brags about being the fifth largest economy in the world, like that's, that's great, but, you know, 56% of my people are on Medi-Cal. Um, you know, our average income is about 35000 a year, um, you know, and then there's the factors that, you know, 24% of Californians live in poverty. And in my district, you know, we're still recovering from the recession from 08. We're still dealing with issues from the drought. Um, there's still uh, homes and families that, you know, don't have water. Uh, you know, we have a lot of third world problems. You know, we're a very heavy agricultural area and, you know, new burdensome regulations on, um, you know, the agri-economy have affected us as well as, you know, new things like gas tax and stuff like that. We also have a lot of healthcare needs. Um, you know, we have a growing population, but because we are a disadvantaged rural community in California, we often get overlooked by other disadvantaged areas that are in more urban environments. Right. Um, did you, what's your plan to tackle these issues and kind of advocate for your more disadvantaged um, district? 
It's well, what I've done over the last four years is I've built bipartisan coalitions with other members uh, from across the aisle, uh, both from neighboring districts and other districts across the street that are dealing with similar issues. Uh, so we build coalitions and just work at getting things done to, you know, take care of our people. Because, I mean, the, the issues that are happening in my district, you know, you have neighboring districts. Um, and then you have other rural areas like Coachella Valley or even up in Northern California where, you know, the access to healthcare is an issue. The access to the internet is an issue. The access to clean potable water is an issue. Um, you know, the ability to attract new doctors to areas is an issue. So you know, a lot of these problems are the same. And so what ends up happening is instead of having so much of a uh, say a Republican versus Democrat argument, it's more of a urban versus rural that's happening. And you can also see that nationwide. Right. So kind of working together with people who have similar problems to your district and finding solutions that way? Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to give you a chance to comment on accusations of of sexual assault and harassment that have been lodged against you? Okay, all that's been proven false. So. Okay, that's, I, I was wondering if you had a comment. It's po um, po politics is, um, and unfortunately in politics, anybody can kind of say anything they want about you, and you have to go through and you know, show that it's false and hope that people will stick with you through it. And in my elections, people have. Right. Um, and, yeah, it hasn't just been you that has been the subject of these accusations, right? It's kind of a movement statewide and even across the country. So I was wondering um, what steps do you think we should take to hold our representatives accountable without um, having these unfounded accusations? against people? Well, I mean, you've got to look at many aspects. I mean, that goes with anything. And you have to look at what's being said, who's saying it, where it's coming from. Uh, in my case, there was never um, anybody that actually filed anything against me personally. Um, you have a ex-staff member who's been disgruntled, who's made a bunch of accusations that have been found to be, you know, completely unfounded. So, and if you look at the timing and everything else, it's all been political and it's all been based around, um, you know, targeted campaign times and peak times to do uh, native campaign ads. So it's all been very strategic. You know, there's, there's a saying that goes all the way back to... Uh, you know, Hoover uh, said nothing in politics happens by accident, that it's all planned out. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you see these political attacks out there, regardless of what's being said, it's all planned out to cause harm to one person or another. All right. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of more calculated than than personal. Um, yeah. Uh, that's all the questions that I have written down, but I was wondering if you had any final statements or if any questions for us about um, the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, I mean, I've been doing this four years, and it's, I mean, I just use military strategy wherever I can and bring everybody from all walks together and just get things done. And I've never really cared about where people come from or which party they're from or whatever. It's always been about taking care of people and the issues of the district. So, which is clearly why I've been criticized in elections for, you know, you, you look at, you know, what I just dealt with in the primary where you have a, 
you know, central committee that wasn't happy with the decision I made on a vote and wanted to back another opponent against me. And for me, it was, you know, a decision of local economy and local jobs. And do I do what's right for my people and my economy, or do I do what's, you know, being driven by local party? And at the end of the day, to me, and I still stand by this, is that it's about the people. So, anyway, well, good luck on your guys' project. If you guys need anything else, just contact the office. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, you can probably tell I wasn't exactly comfortable during that interview. <laughs> it was a little cringeworthy. It's hard to listen back to it. But yeah, what are your takeaways? I don't really think I agree with him in that allegations of sexual assault are just, like, plotted attacks against people. No. <laughs> doesn't really bode well. He didn't really have much of a point on, like, Me Too. He just was like, this is all attacks. And you're like, mm, okay. He was very defensive. Very defensive. So I remember you saying that a lot of the things necessarily haven't been all, like, disproven. So the results of the last October's investigation found no wrongdoing in regards to the sexual assault. Okay. So, but he had to do sensitivity training because he was accused of using sexual locker room talk against his colleagues. And that was not disproved. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah. So he had to be like, please don't say, start talking about inappropriate things no. at work. Why do people think it's appropriate to talk about that stuff? I need, like... In any context. In any context. It's, like, not okay. Besides, no. like, an actual maybe locker room. <laughs> right. There's a location specified in, in, the that in the name. Like, maybe yeah. you should keep it there. Not even have it there. I don't know. Um, the job is the last place you want someone to be, like, looking at your body. Like, oh, It's just uncomfortable. We're about to start a new job, so. I mean, True. in terms of his platform, just bringing it back to the interview yes he seemed like he knew what was wrong with his district and he does seem like in tune with what's going on yeah and he has represented them like he said for four years already and yeah. he, he knows the issues he seems a little bit more like not that i've had any opportunity to talk to jose but he's a little bit more aware of like how to go about obtaining these additional resources that they so desperately need mm -hmm. so that's good but his history of accusations against him makes me a little wary. It does. Makes me a little nervous. Just a little bit. As a young female. Yeah. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's All right. pretty much it. It's a majority Republican district, so it's pretty likely that the incumbent will keep his seat, I think. Yeah. And um, I was looking over the numbers of candidates that were Republicans, like what percentage of votes they received versus the Democrats. And there was only one Democratic candidate. Oh, wow. And there was like three Republicans. And Singala was only a little bit behind Mathis. But there's hmm. also like three, two other candidates under. Okay. So unless those Republican voters switch parties, Mathis will probably win. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty sad for Seagal. <laughs> but again, like, I watched, a, like, an interview, and they literally asked him in the interview, not an interview, it was, like, it was kind of like a commercial, but they're like, what's the number one issue for you? And he's like, oh, we need to improve the quality of life. And then he didn't really explain what that meant. Mm -hmm. He's like, we need more funding for schools. I'm like, that's so blanket. Which is, like, interesting because he has he's has immigrant parents, right? Yeah. So he could talk about that in his platform, and he could incorporate, like... Yeah. That angle, rather than just saying, improve people's lives. I don't really have any closing thoughts. Um, I don't really either, besides, like, don't sexually assault people. 
It's like, oh hey, like, maybe don't even, like, come close to sexually assaulting people so that, like, anyone could accuse you of that. Yeah. It's like, it's very well-timed. She was disgruntled. I'm like, that... Yeah, obviously she just would be disgruntled if she was sexually assaulted. Oh my <laughs> I don't God. think being disgruntled disqualifies her. No. If I was sexually assaulted, I would be disgruntled too. Oh my God. It's obviously not what he meant, how he meant it. So that's District 26. That's District 26. <laughs> not much more about that. All right. Next district is 74. Going way down the ballot. We didn't get an interview with the incumbent, so I'll talk about him first, which is Matthew Harper. Matthew Harper is the Republican incumbent for this district, like I just mentioned, and he has been since 2014. He, in 1998, he was elected to Huntington Beach Union High School District Board of Trustees, and he served there for 12 years. And after doing so, he moved on to the Huntington Beach City Council where he served one term before being elected mayor of Huntington Beach. So he just moved all the way up. Yeah, wow. Very local. Very local <laughs> government focused. He also attended Orange Coastal College before transferring to University of Southern California, where he earned a bachelor's degree in public policy and management. Matthew is a real estate broker in Huntington Beach, where he lives with his wife, Elizabeth. <laughs> Aw. I, I love how they always include at the end, and he has a personal life. Yeah. <laughs> By the way. He or she. And I'm he like, does things other than politics. <laughs> he has people who love him. I'm like, okay, that's great. I don't <laughs> care. They can be alone for all I care as long as they do their job. So his platform in 2010, when he ran um, for city council, was like public safety, infrastructure, economic development, administration, fiscal accountability, property rights, personal freedom, opposing higher taxes. So all the blanket kind of buzzwords. Yep. <laughs> ones I think are like actually interesting, like infrastructure, property rights, opposing higher taxes. Those are the only ones that like have an actual meaning. And then for this, for running again, I couldn't find any information of like Hmm. what he's running on which i thought was strange but he currently also serves on the budget committee the elections and redistricting and he's the vice chair of that committee so that's the one that breaks up the every time we have a sentence you know redraws the little lines okay yeah that's him and then he's also on the on the committee for labor and develop and employment and transportation, and then also, lastly, water, parks, and wildlife. Okay. So he's on five separate committees. Cool. Yep. Is that that's all you got about Matthew Harper? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a lot of information <laughs> about him either. Except he wears hats. Let me show you. Oh, this is the hat guy. This is the hat guy. He wears interesting hats, and I don't know what to do about it. Oh, I've seen this guy. He wears them a lot. Like a lot. Oh, no. There's no, no hat. No hat here. So this is recent update. Recently, he's been into the hat game. Yeah, oh. here we go. Oh. There's it's also the hat. at like a jaunty angle. It's at a jaunty angle, yes. <laughs> it kind of looks... It just doesn't look like it meshes with his head well. You know no. how sometimes when people put on hats, it just looks like part of their... Yeah, this is not one of those. This is, not, this is not one of those. It looks like, very squarely, a hat on a head. He does really look like he lives in Huntington Beach. <laughs> he really does. Look at that Look at that Hawaiian shirt. Yes. Gorgeous. He is casual. Oh, look at the suit. Yes. The suit and the hat. Oh, interesting. See, this is what I mean. He must be like a mobster from the 1920s. Really going for that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just roast the candidates <laughs> in our episode. <laughs> I bet he's a very pleasant man. He looks like a really nice guy. Like, yeah. I'd want to, like, hang out with him. But I wouldn't want to take hat advice from him. No. Good thing he's not on the hat committee. <laughs> what if he started his own committee and was the president and is like, it's all about hats. Oh my god. And how we can make them more fashionable in California. Great use of tax This is right what there. I'm talking about. Improving the quality <laughs> of life. <laughs> Just getting better hats out there. Yeah. Oh, he needs the Fab Five. <laughs> he kind of looks like one of the Fab Five. Oh, you think he looks like Bobby? Yeah. 
<laughs> that's Matthew Harper. Who do you got for me? I talked with Cotty Petrie-Norris, who is, let's see, she grew up in San Diego County, attended Yale, got her degree in English and economics, and then she had a 20-year career in finance and marketing. Oh. She she currently lives in Laguna Beach. She's a board member of a few different Laguna Beach boards, and she is, yeah, trying to enter the political scene now as an elected official. So has she ever held public office before? No. Oh. Her top three priorities as listed on Voter's Edge were education, the environment, and economic growth. And she did talk about this in the interview, too. But yeah, no scandals in this race that I can see. Yeah, I didn't find any scandals about Matthew Harper, except his fashion. <laughs> Pretty scandalous. <A> scandal. <laughs> Pretty scandalous there. Yeah, I chose this one just because it's going to be close between the two candidates. All right. Um, so let's just listen to the interview then. All right, here we go. Can I first ask you to talk a little bit in general about your background? I saw that you have a pretty extensive career in finance and marketing, and I was wondering, you know, how that has prepared you for state assembly and kind of why you decided to make the switch into politics. Sure. So uh, I'm Cotty Petrie-Norris. I am a businesswoman. I'm a community leader. I'm a working mom. I'm running for California State Assembly in the 74th Assembly District, and that includes South Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach, Laguna Woods, most of Irvine, and Costa Mesa. And bottom line is that I am running for Assembly because I believe that Orange County can do better and that we need better representation at the state level. So we need an assembly member who shares our values, who will bring our tax dollars back into our district, and who will be able to pass relevant legislation that is going to help our residents and businesses. I um, I grew up in San Diego, I grew up in a blue-collar family, and learned the value of hard work at an early age. I worked my way through Yale University, where I majored in English and economics. And as you mentioned, I've had a 20-year career in finance and technology and marketing. I've worked at multinational financial services companies um, in small businesses and also um, been on the founding team of a couple of different technology startups. Um, in my community right now, I serve on my city's Housing and Human Services Committee. I'm also an Assembly District Delegate for the California Democratic Party. And in the State Assembly, I will fight to help Orange County's businesses grow and create good jobs, fully fund our public schools, remove the financial barriers to college, and make sure that we are getting our fair share of tax dollars from Sacramento. Um, I'm really proud that my campaigns earn the support of our local firefighters, our local and statewide teachers, and also leaders from both political parties. And I think that's because they know that I'm the candidate who's going to get things done in the assembly and be able to deliver for our district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, your your campaign manager was telling me about how your campaign has raised more funds than the incumbent and also that a lot of people are maybe put off by his socially um, right-wing views in a kind of more centrist or liberal area. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. So I think the incumbent is, um, you know, the incumbent is Matt Harper, and I think he's both really out of touch with this district, and he's also failing to deliver. So this has historically been a conservative district, no doubt, but um, the district went for Hillary by 7% in 2016, and frankly, from everything from women's issues to the environment, Matt Harper is on the wrong side of, I think, both the district and of history. So, you know, a couple of examples. Um, you know, women and women's issues, he's consistently voted against women. He opposes a woman's right to choose, even in the case of rape, incest, or if a woman's life is at risk. And he was one of only two legislators. Out of 120 people, he was one of only two who voted against the Fair Pay Act in 2016. Um, and then on the environment, he is, you know, he represents a district who includes, which includes much of Orange County's coastline. But despite that, he has compiled one of the worst environmental voting records in the California legislature since 2014. 
and went so far as to even speak out in favor of the administration's plans to open up the coast for offshore oil drilling. And when I think you look at those sorts of things, it's just so clear that that's not who we are in this district, and that doesn't reflect the priorities that we want our representatives to represent. Right. Yeah, wow, especially um, in regards to women's issues because so many of our elected officials have been accused of some sort of, like, sexual harassment or, you know, just, yeah. Um, I think people are ready for more women in politics and, I mean, in your district, a more liberal um, representative, too. Yeah, or just even, you know, even just a more centrist view. And I think, I I think that we're also really, really kind of sick and tired of the partisan bitterness and kind of partisan bickering. And I think that we're tired of partisan politicians who just, like, you know, talk and complain and, like, you know, poke at the other side instead of actually doing stuff and focusing on solving problems and getting things done. And like I said, I'm super proud and excited to have built bipartisan coalition of support as we head into this election. Um, just last night, we had an event in Lido Isle, and one of the hosts was um, Evelyn Hart, and she is a long-serving, she was a long-serving mayor of Newport Beach and a lifelong Republican, and you know, she is supporting my campaign, and she said it's because she knows that I'm going to focus on the priorities that matter for this district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see a lot of sort of stalemate between the left and the right when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when it comes right down to it, I think, like, you know, we've got more in common than, you know, but there's more that unites us than divides us. And I think we've got to just get back to, like I said, focusing on the issues and focusing on solving problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Could you, I know you talked a little bit about your platform, but could you talk about the most glaring issues you think are facing District 74 in particular? Sure. Um, well, I really do think that at the state level, I think the number one challenge facing this district is the total absence of an effective voice in Sacramento. So I think, you know, as, you, as you probably know, Orange County is increasingly kind of an island in the sea of California politics, and we're increasingly isolated, and that's made it increasingly difficult for us to get things done for Orange County at a state level or for us to bring any money back from Sacramento into the district. So that's got to change. And, you know, I think when that changes, we'll be able to address some of Orange County's unique problems and challenges. And that includes, for me, the need for sober living home reform and, you know, the need to address the the growing homelessness crisis, which, frankly, that's not just an Orange County problem, um, you know, but it's definitely one of my priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, so what about just California as a whole? Um, what issues would you say are the most glaring? So I think my top three, and we can kind of you know, dive into to each of these as much as you want, but um, just kind of the, the top line, I think my top three issues are education, the environment, and the economy. So, you know, on education, I really do believe that quality education is the most important investment that we can make. And if we want to continue to be this world-class economic power, we need to invest in quality public education. Um, on the environment, so as I as I said, you know, this is absolutely not a partisan issue, right, um, especially for this district. And we need to continue to lead the nation can the world in tackling the threat of climate change in California. Um, and then lastly, the economy. So as you probably know, California is not just the largest economy in the United States. We are the fourth largest economy in the world. And we need to continue to create good jobs and build an economy where everybody, you know, has a shot at succeeding and everybody has a shot at the California dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then lastly, can you talk about um, 
your strategy, and I know your district went for Hillary in 2016, but it's kind of been um, historically red, and so do you have a specific strategy in facing a, a Republican incumbent? Yes, absolutely. So I mean, we talked, and we talked a little bit about, about some of the issues, but I think that we are going to win for a couple of reasons. So first, I think we're going to win because my opponent is totally out of touch with this district. So I think we are going to win on the issues. Uh, you know, his votes against women, against the environment, against common sense gun legislation, make him vulnerable in, in this district. Um, second, I think that we're going to win because he's just not delivered for the community, right? I think whatever, um, you know, whether you identify as a Republican or a Democrat or someone in between, I think that there's an expectation when you elect someone you know, as your representative that they're going to work hard, that they're going to be able to pass some legislation, that they're going to be able to bring money back into the district. And he has failed on all of those counts. Um, and lastly, I think we're going to win because we are going to outwork him. I've got a great campaign and a great campaign team. Um, we are out every single day talking to voters all across the district and working really hard to get our message out. And it's really, I really, really believe that if people know his record and know, you know his lack of delivery, they will not vote for him. And they will vote for someone who is going to work hard, pass relevant legislation, and bring money back into the community. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how it shakes out in November. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we are really, when we look at, you know, when I look at the results from the primary and, um, you know, look at, at what's happening in the district, I'm really excited about the opportunity. I think that, I think we all know this is not, it's not going to be easy. We're certainly not taking the summer off, um, but we know what we need to do. And we're executing against that. And I really believe that we're in a really good place to win in November. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, those are all the questions that I had for you. Did you have anything, last things you wanted to add or any questions you had about um, what we're going to use this interview for? No, I just, um, you know, thank you for, um, thank you for doing this. And- you know, thank you for helping more and more people get engaged in politics and, you know, get engaged, I think, at every level of government. One of the things that's been kind of funny for me is I'll tell people that I'm running for California State Assembly, and the first thing they say is, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I'm so excited for you. And then the second thing they say is, wait, what's California State Assembly? And these are, you know, these are my good friends who are like, Smart, educated, and politically engaged, and it's just really funny because, like I said, California is the fourth largest economy in the world. What happens in California matters so much, and I just feel like the more people that we have that are knowledgeable, that are engaged, and that are paying attention, the better government we're going to have at every single level. So I'm super excited um, about about the work that you're doing, and um, and think it's just wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, definitely. The most important thing is just to get people informed and thinking about things at a local level and not just about, you know, the presidency and and bigger um, federal government. Um, Right, totally. And that's, you know, people kind of, it's easy to think that, like, just what happens on TV and what you see on TV is the only thing that's happening, um, when in reality, the stuff that happens at the state level and at the local level affects people's lives, frankly, so much more than some of the decisions that get made at the federal level. Right. And you as a voter also have more power when it's a smaller constituency, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when the episode comes out. Okay. Sounds good. Great. Have a Thanks great so day. much. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. I want to clarify something, guys. We're the fifth largest economy in the world, not the fourth.
Not the sixth. The fifth. He just beat out the UK. I know it because I towed it a lot. Whenever we talk about stuff, I like to say we're the fifth largest economy in the world. So I know we're the fifth largest economy in the world. But okay. that's what I wanted to say. Good. Important point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just things like that bug me, you know. Yeah. You know me. So, I think she was very poised. She was so ready to deliver her answers. She was so poised. She was like, hello. I'm like California English. I'm so proper. <laughs> I'm so here to deliver. Didn't catch that accent, but... Um, nope. She didn't have that accent. I made it up. I liked that she had a lot of specific points about what she... The problems that she saw and how she was going to tackle them. And also about why her op- opponent is worse than her. Yeah, she really did, like, reference why she's running against this individual in particular and why he's wrong for the district. Um... She didn't mention the hats, though, which, like... Surprising. <laughs> I would totally be like, eh, have you seen his fashion? Yeah. Uh, Women's rights part was a little bit shocking. I didn't realize, looking into his history, that he had voted against so many issues for women. Yeah. It was a little... It was a little interesting to hear that he kind of was so regressive on issues, especially in a coastal district, because mm-hmm. many, like, um, NPP voters in those districts, non-party preference will lean towards the candidates that are fiscally conservative a little bit, but more socially liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a candidate that's, like, very, like, socially, socially con- conservative yeah. is not looking too good for that oh. district. Yeah. Do you know the breakup of the district of, like, MVP voters versus... Um, yes. It is... 38% Republican, 30% Democrat, and then 25 no party preference. So that's a like solid enough preference. I would like to have asked her if she was like really targeting those types of voters in particular because her base is probably all Democrats, but the individuals that are really going to swing towards her are probably no party preference. Yeah. In particular. And she she was fairly far behind in the primary, but then there's these two other Democratic candidates. They should give her a little bit of a boost. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, her main tactic should be really targeting those NPP voters, because I think those would be good. I mean, you should always stick with your base and getting out the message as much as possible, especially because there is going to be a huge Democratic wave going on. Do you know, off the top of your head, what district, congressional district, I mean to say? Oh, no, I don't. I think I know it. I think it's District 49. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It's 48. So that would be... So, yeah, that's a swing district right now in California. So California 48, uh, the incumbent is Dana Roybacher, and he's running against um, the Democrat, which is Harley Rhoda, who actually got back to us and wants to do an interview. I gotta Mm -hmm. go talk to him. So if he pulls out enough votes, he could help push... Cotty, he could help push Cotty over the edge in terms of getting those extra votes, in terms of getting at the Democratic vote. So she actually has a really big shot, this run. It, it depends a lot on how intense the blue wave is in this, in this district in particular. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think she's a solid child. I liked her platform in terms, she really seems to be in tune with like what the district needs. And it needs, you know... Like more education. No, what she said the district needs in particular. She said basically just someone who's more in tune with it. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But in terms of what California needs, education is a huge issue in my opinion. I think we were really fortunate to come from a school district that is very proactive in educating the students. But we also need to focus on encouraging more small business development in California because. The reason we are such a large economy is because of our big businesses, but our tech companies and et cetera, and Hollywood and all that fun stuff. We have a lot of major economies here. Yeah. Like, a lot. It's incredible. Yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be a more focus on letting small businesses thrive. I mean, I just saw a piece the other day that was talking about how, like, startups really can't afford Silicon Valley anymore. Like, all of a sudden, the Bay is not a good area for startups. Because the prices are so high for rent. Wow. Yeah, I think she had some really good points. I really liked her piece on education in terms, and also in terms of 
businesses and how we can help them. Mm-hmm. And I like that she is trying to get a bipolar, bipartisan, not bipolar, bipartisan um, coalition going on. Yeah. Overall, she's pretty solid. So yeah, that's this week's episode. Sorry you had to wait a little bit longer, guys. Yeah. It was my fault. I dropped the ball. It's all good. In particular, Michael came. <laughs> I normally drop the ball for Michael. Another one. Ah. <laughs> all right. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at UndecidedCA. You also can check out our blog. There's some new-ish stuff on there. There's some new stuff. Go check it out. But keep checking back. We're going to post probably a lot of stuff in the next couple weeks. Oh, yeah. So go check us out at www.undecidedcalifornia.com. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then, last but not least, we're poor. We are so poor. Check out our Patreon. Give this podcast more funds that it so desperately deserves. It deserves all this love, doesn't it? It does. As long as we're putting content out, it does. Yeah. We are putting content out. Just a little delayed. Oh, yeah. If you haven't heard, we're switching to every other week. Yes. We are switching... To every other week because, um... Things got a little crazy. We both now have full-time jobs. Yeah. Which is great. Good. We like that. But yeah, we picked what we thought were the most important topics, and we're gonna keep those. Yes. And just put more time into each one. Yeah. We're just gonna focus a little bit more. You know, really expand on those issues. And there's a train going Alright. So that's it, loves. Catch you in two weeks. Yeah. What will we be talking about then? Mm, Good question. Good question. I think it's props. On the 26th of September, we will be talking about Prop 4, which is Bonds for Children's Hospital, and Prop 6, which is the repeal of the gas tax. We'll see how everyone fares on that one. Yes. Yes. That one will be interesting. That one will be interesting. You got the interesting one. I got another bond. (laughs) Great. A lot of reading and not a lot of content. (laughs) Love it. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Love you. No, I don't. I do. Oh, good. At least someone does.